Thank you, Rick. I remember that song from a long time ago. It's a good song. Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Glad to see all of you here. And it is a good crowd for Sunday school here in the middle of summer. We understand the reality that, of course, kids are out of school and families take family vacations and we have people that are out of town on the road and we'll have people on the road for the next couple of weeks. I'm glad that you came and God will honor you for being here in his house. For some of you, it takes a little bit longer to get ready. Uh, it takes time and effort and a lot of energy to get kids ready for church. And I, I appreciate you for doing that. Uh, we don't take that lightly. When I look around, all these kids, a lot of work went into getting your kids here. Thank you for bringing them to church. If I were going to entitle this morning's message, it's something is happening down by the Jordan River. If we look at what we've been looking at in the last several months, 470 years have gone by after the original promise to Abraham that he would bring his people into the land of promise. Forty years of wandering in the wilderness have gone by since, as we looked last week, the children of Israel came that close to making a yes decision for God. That close, almost there, and they said no. They wouldn't follow God. That was 40 years ago. Now, for the people who made that decision, that was their last opportunity. They have all passed away and are all in graves scattered through the wilderness. The upcoming generation that was younger and those who have been born in the last 40 years are now at the banks of the Jordan River. Something's happening down by the Jordan River. God is about to do something big. Let's stand as the scriptures read, Joshua chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, say, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this shall you know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. 
Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take for yourselves 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe. And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet who bear the ark of the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, and the waters that come down from upstream, they shall stand as a heap. And so it was. When the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan, with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, the feet of the priest who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. The waters which came down from upstream stood still and arose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zeratan. So the waters that went down into the sea of the Arabah, the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the story of your dealings with your people, and we thank you that you still deal with your people. You still lead us into uncharted territory. You still lead us into places of productivity. You still call on us to take bold steps forward. We ask that we would take these instructions very seriously today. Deal with each of us according to our need to make it right with you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> the event is what we would find, of course, in your book of children's Bible stories. It's a remarkable testimony, first of all, of the faith of the Hebrews. Did you see what God asked them to do? He asked all of them to start moving forward. There was over a million people moving forward. Once you get a million people moving forward, even if they're walking, there's a lot of momentum. And he told the priest, he told the priest, you start walking. And when you get to the edge of the Jordan River, keep walking. You just step right off over into the river. Now, you have to understand, the Jordan River was at flood stage. Now, we have to know back in the spring, when you have a river or a stream that's in flood stage, Number one, it's a lot wider than it normally is. The Jordan River normally is only about 100 feet wide. It's not a big river at all. But during flood stage, it could be a half a mile to a mile wide. A lot of that, of course, may be shallow, but it's all swift water. When a, a river is flooded, it's not just wider. It's a lot of velocity. And he told the priest, you step off over into the water and keep walking. That's remarkable faith. They didn't stand there and wait till it parted before they put their feet in it. They stepped into it. Of course, a lot of times we look in the Bible, we see two of the most remarkable aspects of a step of faith involve water. This one, and you remember when... Uh, Simon Peter stepped out of the boat. There were no guarantees except the word of Jesus. 
step out. Trust me. And God said, you trust me. And you step forward. And you step into the water. But then again, it's a wonderful testimony to the power of God. A flooded river. The waters stopped. And it says the waters stopped far away. Far enough away there was no fear with the children of Israel. The water stopped far away up to a city called Adam. Zareth. And people of Israel walked over on completely dry ground. They didn't wade in mud. They didn't slop around in a swamp. It wasn't the fact that the wind blow and the water was just uh, very shallow. It was dry. Dry, firm ground. A remarkable testimony to the power of God. Now let's look at some of the grown-up lessons in this Bible story. We want to look at the man, Joshua. Now, the whole book of Joshua tells us something about the man, but we realize in this passage of Scripture, Joshua was a man of priorities. These priorities were God's priorities. And let's look at the priorities that really should be the same today with any group of people who wants God to work among them. Number one, collective strength comes only by personal commitment. They would need strength as a nation like never before. They would need to go forward and accomplish some things they had never accomplished. But before they could accomplish something as a group, something had to happen on the personal level. And in chapter 3, verse 5, Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify yourselves. Now, there's two different aspects of sanctification as we look in the Old Testament. First of all, it had to do with ritualistic ceremonies. Had to do with washing your clothes. Had to do with taking a ritualistic bath. Had to do with all kinds of other things. They didn't have time for that. That's not what he meant. There was no ritual. There was no ceremony. There was no service. When he said, sanctify yourselves, quite literally, he was saying, get your heart right with God. Then God will work. God will work when we get our hearts right with him. And as we look at our collective strength as a church, as our collective abilities as a church, it's no magic they taking care of things. It's a we thing. It's a me thing. I have to get my heart right with God. And it comes down to where God points the finger directly at me. Nobody else is involved here, God says. You get your heart right with God. A million people. But every single person was important. And it was important that every single person get their heart right with God. So before they took the first step, before they did the first thing, before they saw the first wonderful thing happen the next day, get your heart right. Settle it between you and God. If there's something out of step between you and God, get it right. Secondly, true progress always involves listening to the word of God. In verse 9, Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. 
Well, I can think of maybe there might be a few impatient people, maybe some type A personalities that are hard drivers. Maybe they thought they were in a little bit of a hurry there, and they would say, now, wait a minute, you, you, don't, you don't understand, Joshua. We don't have time to sit around and listen to a sermon. We've got a river to cross. We've got work to do. Let's roll up our sleeves and let's get going. And Joshua said, stop for a while. You come here and hear the words of God. True progress always involves stopping long enough to listen and to do the word of God. Look back in chapter 1, verse 6. God is talking to Joshua personally about the big job he would do to lead this people and the big work he's called this people to do. And he says, Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left that you may prosper wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You will meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. It didn't matter what else he had going for him. If he abandoned God's word, he would fail. So it is with the work that we have to do. We could have all the programs. We can have all the projects. We could have all the facilities. We could have all the other things going for us. But as a church, God's word must be priority. God's way must be priority. Our policies, our practices, our motives, our whole spirit of doing things should first and foremost correspond to this and when we don't correspond to this and we start changing things and abandoning God's word then we're in trouble he said you gather around and hear the word of God and then he said this remember who is with you two things he mentions verse 10 by this you shall know that the living God is among you Remember who's with you, the living God. Now, it's important he called him the living God because he said, the living God who is among you, he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. You might say, why did he mention all of those people? Well, because, first of all, they had those people in their mind. If you remember 40 years before, they said, we can list all these reasons why we can't possess the promised land. It's the Girgashites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Canaanites. They begin to list all those reasons why they couldn't go. And God was reminding them, I know that these people are over there. I know these people are in front of you. This is no surprise to me. But you have to understand, these are the same people that later on would taunt the children of Israel because they followed and worshipped one God. These were the same people who worshipped dead gods, idols. 
and they would taunt the children of Israel why they didn't live like they lived and do the things that they did while they were worshiping dead gods. And Joshua had to remind them, we don't serve their dead gods. We serve the living God. You keep that in mind. We are not here to serve the dead gods of our culture. It may not be idols of stone or of gold like we saw over in Thailand. We're not called upon to placate the cultures of the dead gods around us, which would be greed, money, popularity, power, prestige, convenience, comfort, all of those. He said, I want you to remember, you are serving a living God. And the living God is among you. You forget all about the dead gods. They'll remind you of them. And they'll taunt you for serving the God you serve. But you need to bear in mind, the God you serve is alive. And the God you serve is among you. That makes all the difference as we go forward. But then he said this, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth. Now he says that twice. A couple of verses later, he says again, the Lord of all the earth. You see, they were moving into a land where the God they served was very unpopular with those cultures. Very unpopular. The God they served and the lifestyle he promoted was very unpopular. So they could say, well, wait a minute. God's outvoted over there. Now, wait a minute. God's ignored over there. What are we going to do? And he had to remind them. Now, those people may not acknowledge God. They may not agree with God. They may ignore God and they may fight God. But God is the God of all the earth. And God is just as much God over there as he is over here. And God cannot be outvoted. God is the Lord of all the earth with or without man's permission. He can't be argued away. He can't be voted away by any culture and by any country. He is the God of all the earth. The Apostle Paul said it this way in the book of Philippians chapter 2. In verse 9, he speaks of the one we serve. Therefore God has all, also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, of those on earth, of those under the earth. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When it says every knee, every knee, every knee of the vilest denier of God, Every knee of anyone who tries to ignore God, who tries to deny God, who tries to scoff at God, who tries to, to, to fight God, every knee and every tongue will come to the confession, Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, for many it will be too late, but every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. He is the God of all the earth with or without anyone's permission or acknowledgement. He is God. We cannot change that. Something big is happening down by the Jordan. What could ever top this? Well, about
about 15 years later, something bigger happened by the Jordan. So I, I don't know how you could be bigger than that. How could it be bigger than a river in flood stage backing up and the bottom of the riverbed being firm, dry ground? Can't get any bigger than this. Oh, yes, it did. It got much bigger. Turn to Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and the region all around the Jordan went to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come into his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. What's happening down by the Jordan? Well, there's a new voice. There's a new voice from the wilderness. It's like one they've never heard in a long time. It had been 400 years since somebody had come speaking authority from God. And it's a new voice preaching an old message. He came preaching, repent. Now, you know, what does repent mean? Repent means, watch this, get your heart right with God. What was the message 1,500 years before? Joshua went through the camp and said, get your heart right with God. Sanctify yourself. Straighten up. Get it right with God. John the Baptist comes, and he comes to the Jordan River, and what's he saying? He's saying, repent God's about to do something big. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then the biggest event of all, bigger than parting the waters. John walked by the side of the Jordan River with some of his disciples, and he looked up. In John chapter 1, verse 29, he says, Look, there's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And we follow the story in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 3. Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now. Thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And he allowed him. And watch this. And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. Behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting on him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. I would say something big happened at the Jordan that day. God himself came up out of the water. God himself came down to the Spirit as a dove, and in the Father's voice, the voice, the word of God, the Father said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Something big happened 
down at the Jordan River, the biggest event of all. What is this? What did Joshua say to the people? The living God is among you. Jesus came walking up to the banks of the Jordan. And John says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Oh, that day the living God was among them. And he all wants to lead us to something better. He wants to lead us all to something better. God, by the Jordan River across from Jericho, wanted to lead his people to something better. Jesus Christ came to this earth to lead us out of our own squalid sins to something better. The living God was among us. And the message remains the same. Joshua said, get your heart right with God. Sanctify yourselves. John the Baptist says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And in the very next chapter of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 17, from that time Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The voices changed, but the message did not change, and the message will not change. Repentance. Get your heart right with God. God wants to do something with you, with your life. Before he can do that, you've got to get your heart right. you got to repent. Before we can make one more step, repentance and faith in God. That was what was happening big at the Jordan River. Oh, it was great that the waters moved back. But when all those people went through, it was a testimony that this many people had gotten their heart right with God. God wants to do something big today. You know, when one heart gets right with God, Jesus said, it's a big deal. All of heaven rejoices. Will this be the day your heart gets right with God? As prepared for an invitation on him, I don't know what's wrong with your heart. But I know this, if you've never accepted Christ, we're all wrong with God. There may be something else specifically in your heart that's not right with God. I'll never know that, but God does, and you know what? You do right now. Like Joshua, like John the Baptist, like Jesus, the message remains the same. Get your heart right with God as we stand and sing. What number? Number 99.